0: Hello everyone, I'm Zapinal from DualShockers.com and this is the eighth episode of our weekly webcast. So let's get started. Unfortunately we will notice that Emily, my co-host from episode from 1 to 7, is not here. And I have bad news. Unfortunately, Emily has been prevented for continuing to co-host the webcast for by pressing family matters. So she won't be here from now on, which means that I will be our sole host for the moment, unless we find someone else to replace her and finding some genuine weaves. is kind of difficult nowadays. Uh We'll have to see what happens. So um of course, her place is still available. And if our family matters are solved, uh, we will welcome her back. Um Unfortunately, there is nothing we can do about that besides waiting for her and see if we can find her to fill the spot in the meanwhile. But for the moment, it will be me. Uh, which means there will be more or less a uh, monologue podcast for now on. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, I've preferred to... I've considered just quitting, quitting on it because we don't have at the moment a replacement. But at the moment... I. We did a good job so far and would like to keep it alive, even for the possibility that Emily comes back in the future. So we'll have to see. Uh, That being said, Emily is not quitting The Wall Shockers. She she luckily is going to stay and she will continue to write news articles and reviews and whatnot as usual. It's just that she can't, uh, unfortunately, devote as much time to the podcast as she used to be. So... We'll have to you have to uh, just deal with having me here for uh, for a while, and we'll see how it goes. If you think that the podcast was much better when Emily was here, I agree, and I absolutely think it's true. Unfortunately, there isn't much we can do about that, and we'll continue as it is. So today, uh, our main topic is gacha games, which are very popular in Japan, and. Uh, they, there are gacha games in the West, but mostly the big gacha games are from Japan. And, but before we go into that, we'll talk a little bit more about the games I played in this week and the anime I watched. So, uh, first of all, uh, I haven't played much of a Japanese game this week, unfortunately, because I'm still working on my review of Conan Exiles, which is quite the undertaking because it's a big game and it takes time to like level up and, and all that but i've play i've like delved a bit into my mavlava addiction a little bit more and i've been playing a bit of the uh mavlava alternative chronicles um games in japanese uh which uh i probably shouldn't talk too much about because they include a lot of spoilers about the um, the original games, but they're very good, and I have been having a lot of fun with that. I've also been playing some Grand Blue Fantasy, some Final Fantasy XIV, which got the new patch. So, uh, I'm delving into the story there and uh it's great, as usual. Final Fantasy XIV is probably the game which has the best story in the MMORPG series. It's one of the best Final Fantasy stories of all time, according to me. I know a lot of people would think that it's an exaggeration, but I don't believe so. It's a fantastic story, and it, the characters are really... Worthy of uh, the Final Fantasy legacy, I believe, and you know, if uh, if one day there would be like some single player spin off for the game for the Final Fantasy 14 series, I would not be against it for sure. But for now, it's an MMORPG, and it's fantastic uh about anime i've been watching the usual you know, the the usual seasonal anime that i've been going for a while so there isn't many new ones as usual like uh, uh legend of the, of the galactic heroes is absolutely fantastic or the whole plethora of romantic anime like uh uh watakoi and uh, um Tadakun are are still really good i've actually been watching i binged <laughs> I've been just, one anime series that is actually kinda old. I believe it's from 2014. And that would be, um, uh, Madan no O, uh, to Vanadis, uh, which is basically, it also has a Japanese and English title, Lords, Marksman and Vanadis. Uh, it's from a light novel, uh, by uh, Tsukasa Kawaguchi. And, uh, it's actually pretty good. I mean, it, okay pretty good with reserve. <laughs> the anime is basically kind of like uh, um, kind of like uh, the heroic legend of Arslan but with less pretty boys and more pretty girls. <laughs> and uh, uh, the art is a bit hit and miss uh, and uh, it has some some flows I would say. It's probably one of those anime that the whole uh, like Elitist YouTuber anime crowd would like destroy in their in their reviews, but I actually am enjoying it. Especially its representation. It's a fantasy anime, and it's like it includes a lot of field battles and armies and stuff. It's that's kind of interesting, and it's quite unique in its own right, which is one of the reasons why I I really enjoyed it. I've I've seen it all. It's like twelve episodes, I believe, or I believe or or thirteen. Um, unfortunately, there is also a manga that, that covers this exactly the same, um, the Easter episode. There is a manga with 10 volumes that covers exactly the same part of the light novels. Unfortunately, it does not get to the end of the story, which is something I really don't like normally because, you know, you, you're not able to actually see how the story goes on. And I have, I don't have access at the moment to the light novels, but, I've heard that the novels are actually quite a lot better in many ways, but the anime is interesting. And if you like like field battles and you liked the uh, Royal Legend of Aslan, but you would li- you're okay with having less pretty boys and more pretty girls, um, it's it's worth watching, I believe. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it for manga and anime. I actually read both the ma- the, the, uh, the manga, binge the, um, the manga, and re- and watch the anime pretty much during this week. So, yeah, it was quite the binging. It was fun. Uh, And if you're into fantasy and you're into, uh, like, uh, politics, uh, uh, fantasy politics, of course, uh, that's uh, that's an interesting thing to watch. Um, I would advise it with reserve. It's not a super high-quality game, so keep that in mind. So... And that's pretty much it. Let's move on to the main topic. The the only I guess the only positive thing of not having Emily here is that we're probably gonna go a little bit shorter with uh with our um, with our podcast, and it's not going to be a, a full hour engagement anymore. But honestly, I miss her. I'm sure you guys will miss her as well. But You'll be able to find her writing on dual shockers, so in the end you won't totally miss her, and hopefully she will be back soon. So our main topic today is gacha games and how to survive them, because gacha games are interesting in some ways because they are great like time waster when you have other things to do, like you're working or you just are sitting on a uh, on on the bus or on the train or whatnot. And they are actually interesting, especially when they are part of an IP, because they can give you a different outlook on that IP. It, they can actually reveal some parts of the story that are not revealed. Like, for instance, one of my favorite gacha game is Mavlov Alternative uh, Strike Frontier, which not only is a, a game in which the development team of uh, Mavlov adds some things that they wouldn't be able to cover in the in the main storyline because they're a little bit too, too crazy. So they do some crossover stuff and some fan service stuff. But they actually expand on the story in parts that have not been covered, if not in text. So for instance, this week and last week, there was an event, there was two events that were like a rerun of events from last year that shown Operation Lucifer in Mavlov that Mavlov fans will recognize and uh, it it is, n- is uh, named a lot of times during in the individual novels but it's never represented so you actually see the story of Operation Lucifer on your screen and it's actually very interesting and very good and it's a basic of uh, of the story it's part of the prologue of the story of love Alternative and uh, it gives you a an extended view on the on the plot. It's also interesting because it inclu- includes characters from the uh, Kimigayo Zomuian, which is the one of the uh, another visual novel by Age. Uh, sorry, Age. I know it's not pronounced Age. Other than that, many other Gacha games uh, have uh, expansion storyline. Some of them are canon, some of them are not, but there are quite a few good Gacha games on the market at the moment like of course one that's very popular is uh, Fate Grand Order by Sonic Music Entertainment and it's uh, important in the west by Aniplex Uh, other than that there is Granblue Fantasy it's probably the best mobile game I know like the story is fantastic and it's really really big the art is incredible the music is by Nobuo Ematsu so I don't think I need to say much about that and, uh, the, uh, the, um, the game is fully in English and, uh, even if it's not actually published in the West, but for some reason they made, uh, they, they do a full localization and it's available in Japan. And, uh, it's also fully voice acted, which is kinda, uh, kinda rare, especially the story part to have full voice, action, voice acting is pretty pretty big and uh it's it's also get, gonna get the persona 5 event really soon so that's nice <laughs> then um there is uh, fire emblem heroes is another that i played for a while I unfortunately kind of like wore me out uh, and uh, so i stopped playing it uh it's a it, decent game i don't think it stands to par with others like grand blue fantasy or fate grand order um others uh, some not all um, gacha games are mobile Like, DMM does uh, quite a few ports on PC. There are, uh, Granblue Fantasy is also available on PC and browser and stuff. And, like, for instance, there is uh, Dead or Alive uh, uh, Extreme Venus Vacation, which is only for PC. And it's a gacha game. It's basically a mobile game that runs on PC. Um, And, uh, you know, so PC is normally the alternative for mobile games. And if you don't have the ability to play them on mobile, sometimes you can also emulate via BlueStacks, for instance. Uh, The Android emulator works really well uh, for these games, and that normally also makes them run faster, since a lot of mobile games, mobile gacha games, have a lot of repetitive tasks, like leveling up your cards and stuff. When you do them emulated on PC, it's faster and it's a lot less clunky. Uh so I, I normally when I when I get a lot into a mobile game, I actually play it more on 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 emulation than on Android uh myself. I don't have an iPhone, so I actually am not an expert on how this game works on uh, iOS. But uh gacha games have a of course they have they're normally seen as inferior to games, which is like a respectable position. I don't see it as something wrong. Uh, because normally gacha games are, are very much built on their business model, which is a business model designed to go to you guys and me because I played them. Um, so they're not entirely fair. And uh, they are certainly design, designed to nickel and dime you guys as much as possible, which is, you know, they mean they need to make money, so it's understandable in in a certain point of view. Um, and the gameplay is is often very simple and often designed to ask you to put as few inputs as possible, because it's a distraction. Sometimes it's something that you do while you work. Sometimes it's something that you want while you, you're distracted or doing other things so it's not they're not complex gameplay wise and which is understandable as well i mean sorry i used the wrong word so they are not complex they're not like intensive because some of them have very complex metagames like grand blue fantasy as a very complex meta game, like mouth alternative Strike frontier the actual battles you can if you're good at it uh, you can let them go by themselves without doing anything. You can even accelerate them. Uh, but you will have to actually be very strategical in combining pilots and mechas in, and the skill in a way that it will be effective against a certain enemy and certain mission. So it's not easy and it can become defined complex and the gameplay meta is actually pretty interesting if you look at it. And this goes for many gacha games. So it's not like their gameplay is entirely simple, entirely brainless. Sometimes they actually have a very interesting way to strategize in order to actually complete the missions that you have to do with the least effort possible so that you can actually do them on the side, which is kind of a the interesting part of gacha games, that it's not an intensive activity that you have to do, uh, that you have to basically focus on. And gacha games also have this thing, as I say, that they expand a lot in the stories of existing franchise, and there is certainly a lot of attractive in the collection part. Uh, It's not a mystery that gacha games are very heavy in front service, and they are... uh, they aim a lot on uh, pushing the collection part, especially co- um, on waifus. <laughs> so the the idea of collecting your, your favorite waifus is something that is very big, attractive of these games. And uh, some will like it, some will not. So if you don't like gacha games and you don't think uh, you will ever like them, I'm not here to persuade you. Probably this this podcast is not like this episode of the podcast is not for you because in the end uh, uh, there is nothing wrong in disliking uh, disliking them. I actually know more people that dislike them than people that like them. But in the end, if you if you enjoy them, if you're open to them, I think there is something to appreciate. Personally, I hated mobile games until a couple of years ago, more or less when I discovered Grand Fantasy, which is when I broke into the idea that mobile games can be very good. And now I, I play them all the time because I, with my job, I sometimes don't have time and many gacha games I can play while I'm fighting for dual shockers. And that helps me, help my levels of stress quite. Nicely thing is that gacha games need to be approached in a certain way, which is why they, <laughs> the title of this podcast is gacha gaming, how to survive them. Because if you get addicted, you could really destroy your finances and you could really leave a very unsatisfying gaming life with them, meaning that you need to set yourself. I mean, this this is what works for me, so it may not work for you it's important to set yourself some goals and some precise limits. Because gacha games, most of them you can play them without spending a single dime. Which means that you will just access their basic features. Like for instance, um, um, Dead or Light Extreme, Venus Vacations, I don't spend anything in it. Because I don't think their their business model is... Business model is pretty standard, but the percentages are ridiculous. So I'm not going to spend 40 bucks for a special gacha that has less than one percent chance to give me a the thing I want, that there is no way. It's simply unfair. In which case, I just play it free, and I just decide I'm I'm fine with playing this game for free, and uh, I will not worry about what is given only. For uh, for money, so like for instance Tamaki, the new character, for now she's only been in uh, in uh, paid gachas. So I just made peace with the idea that I won't have her until they put her into the um, into the normal gachas if they ever will. And when you make peace with that idea that you can't have everything, it makes everything easier. So what what you get is actually a joy because you get a wa- in, in the new shiny waifu that. Is not like the the exclusive one for paid users, but you still get you still can get a lot of things for yourself, and uh, even if the percentages are frustrating, it's just a matter of uh, rejoicing for what you have instead of griping for what you don't. So you need to set you set your your expectations realistically. Like if you have a one percent chance of uh, of getting a super super rare result. Then you have to know that it's gonna take a hundred, statistically a hundred attempts to get one. So just play it without expectations of getting too many super super rares. And this goes for pretty much all gachas. Even if like different games have different uh, percentages, so some of them are more generous, some of them are less generous. Like for instance, like my, uh, the dead or alive. It's probably the least generous gacha game I know. So if you want to play it and if you are a Dead Life Alive fan, then it's it's an interesting game. Uh, if you like service too, of course, it's a super interesting game because it's probably one of the best graphics being on PC. They just implemented 4 k resolution. Uh, the thing is that though you need to go into it with the idea that it's very unfair towards people that do not play. It's not a generous game at all. They will give you some things to keep you playing, but they will not like treat you in a preferential way. You're an unpaid user, so that's it. I would actually advise against being a paid user in that game because it's so unfair that even if you pay, uh, the percentages to actually getting something for your money are really low. Like for a paid paid gacha that does like a am one percent chance to get something good is really not good. <laughs> so this is a game that if you like it, I advise to pay for play for free. Uh, there are other games that are like super generous, like Marvel Alternative Strike Frontier, that you've seen a lot of news on the site because I really like it uh, and I really love Marvel. So <laughs> that's that's all there is to it. Uh, because most of the times you choose it game not because you like the game but because you like the franchise it's bound to Um, but it's super generous like every week it will give players at least one or two super super rares just just by playing the game without any gacha involved and that's fantastic on top of that they will give you some tickets to play with the gacha so super super rare tickets that will automatically give a super super rare result. So sometimes you you come out of one week with minimum four super new super super rare. Like that's actually an interesting thing because I haven't seen any other games do it like that. And it's strange that it's DMM because DMM is known as one of the most draconic companies. It's the same company that does like uh, uh, Dead or Alive. So it's actually strange that Dead or Alive and Mavlov are on opposite opposite ends of the spectrum. In generosity towards free gamers um and then there is the middle ground which is for instance grand blue fantasy or um fire emblem heroes for instance and many others uh, like uh, the one by yoko taro uh, for which i, I forgot the name at the moment uh, but the various like tales ones uh, and and those are like acceptable percentages, but nothing like extremely generous like Mavlov. Uh, actually, um, Grand Blue Fantasy is more towards the general scale, especially when they have like anniversary events and they give you a lot of stuff. Uh, especially because it's, it's been a few years in the market. So it will, um, begin. It's, it's very successful and they don't need to like goge users to have that much of a, Earnings. Like um, one thing that's important, though, when you when you there is actually nothing wrong with paying in these games. Uh, I've seen people applying a stigma to giving some money to get some advantages in this game, and for one reason I can understand what it is. But let's think about it. They're free to play games, so they the money you give and the money you, you pay for, for for a gacha or two is supporting developers. So if you enjoyed the game, there is nothing wrong actually paying something for it. Then you're actually, it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite uh, morally, let's say, um, positive because, of course, people are putting work into this, so it's good that they get something out of it. So I would absolutely be favorable, and I do, for, to paying for, like, for instance, I put some money on once in a while in Blue Fantasy because it's a good game they enjoy a lot. So I like to support its development. I put some money on, uh, on a mud because even if it's already super generous, I appreciate what the developers do. So I like to support them. Of course, I don't want to spend too much money. And this is one of the important uh, parts of surviving gacha games, which is to give yourself limits. Just think about every month how much you can afford paying for gacha games. Personally, my limit for gacha games every month is about uh, 40 bucks, which is 40, 50 bucks, which is the price of a game, like a price of a PC console game. Instead of getting a PC console game, I spend that money on, uh, on gacha games. I actually don't, don't buy any loot boxes on PC and console games because I already pay for those games. So I don't really marry the idea or, or like the idea of spending more on those games. But on the other hand, gacha games, I don't pay, I don't pay for them. So, uh, I give myself a 40, Bucks normally. Sometimes I go to fifty, but that's like uh, very rare. A forty bucks limit um, on a, on a gacha game uh, or on, on the gacha games I'm playing, and and I distribute that limit between them. Uh, of course, depending on how much money you make and how much money you feel comfortable paying for those games, then that limit may vary. But of course, you, it depends on you. Uh, I'm I'm thinking. I think I'm talking to other people that they can dis- make decision for uh, their own finances. So you just certainly don't need me to teach you or to patronize you on this. You just need to make your own decision and decide what's best for you. Uh, one thing that's important is not to get drawn into the gacha loop, which is that uh, there is a character you really like and it's in the gacha and you try the gacha and you don't get it. And you say, oh, let's try it again and you try again, and you don't get it. And, sp- like, uh, statistically, you keep not getting it. Unless they have this uh, step-up mechanic that after a few times you try it, it's, you get it, you unlock the card for sure, but those are normally very costly. Like, in... Um, In Marvel Level for instance, you need to spend like two hundred or three hundred dollars to actually get the sure safe drop or Gramble Fantasy to spark a character, it takes a ton of money. So I would I would go advise against it. That's personally me. But don't get into the loop of one more time. Because one more time adds up. And it adds up really quickly. So, and, and you end up like spending two or $300 and maybe you don't even get your character at the end. Cause for instance, in, in, uh, general life, there is like a, say, a 1.1% chance of getting a character in the most generous gacha they have. And, uh, and 1% chance, it's like 100 attempts for like 30 bucks each. yet yeah, Not a good thing, especially if you start like, getting really frustrated and, and into it. So yeah, do it once maybe, uh, up to your limit. And then if you reach your limit, oh, that's it. Next month, maybe more luck. Uh, most gacha games, in any case, they will have reruns of events. So if you don't get something now, you may have other possibility later. And maybe the gacha, pay paid, gacha only characters also get uh get switched into not unpaid gacha after a while. So there is other possibilities. Just don't get frustrated. Just get into it like saying, okay, I'm giving it a try. It's a lottery. It may work. It might not. If it doesn't work, move on. Uh, if it works, great. Be happy about it. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, and uh, you should probably should not give in to the temptation, which is what the developers want, but you don't want. To give into the temptation to actually just keep paying until you get what you want because it, it unless you're rich and which is good for, good for you, um, you simply end up like spending way too much money into it. But other than that, um, there is nothing wrong with actually paying something to gacha game developers because they work so they deserve to be paid for it and, uh, and there is Absolutely no moral stigma against it. If it works for you, it works for everyone. If it doesn't work for you to pay, it's great that you're that you're a free user and uh, you can enjoy what if what if the game gives you for free. So, but this is probably the most important, let's say, rule to survive gacha games. Other than that, it's simply a matter of. Uh, uh, Mostly staying up to date with the events because the events are normally the best in most games, the best, um, the best source of free content. So in most games, events will provide you with uh, free characters or free whatever unlocks a character. Some games have weapons that unlock characters like, um, like uh, Grumble Gram- Fantasy or, uh, other, other games like, uh, Terra Battle as, uh, is uh, um, I, I believe Terra Battle Two still has as weapons or something that unlock characters. I still haven't played it, but I'm I'm always been looking into it, and I'm probably gonna play it sooner or later because I I love uh, Irabu Zakaguchi and his stories are good. Um, so I will probably give it a try sooner or later. Um, Terra Battle One, you just don't, you just throw characters, um, but yeah. Uh, in the end, um, it's just a matter that if you do events, you get the advantage for it, which is either uh, gems or whatever currency they have to draw characters with the gacha for free, or characters directly. Like uh, Grand Blue Fantasy, they give a lot of like SSR characters, especially in the um, like when it's a normal event, they give you an SR character. Or when it's what it, when it's a crossover event like the Persona five that's gonna come out, or the Conan Detective Conan one that just was uh, online a few weeks ago, those actually give SSR that you can use. they are good characters that you can use without problems. Um, so the thing is actually do the events as much as you can because that make those make you save a lot of money in uh, either currency that you can use with the Gacha or with giving you characters by themselves. And and it's also fun. Uh, like one of the most fun part of uh, gacha games is the event, at least for me. Because they give you new content that you can enjoy and regularly instead of just doing the story and the main story and you're finished with it. So this is pretty much the most important parts. Um gacha games are interesting in the way that they <laughs> they kind of test your limits uh, as a gamer I don't think uh, playing gacha games makes you less of a gamer than than playing normal games it's just a matter of uh, whether you like them, uh, games or games uh, sure, gacha games are probably less involving but they are still games so in the end if you like them uh Personally, I think it's a great thing to play them on the side as an addition to your gaming hobby and habits. Uh, In the end, uh, that's just me, though. Again, this work, what I'm saying in this episode, works for me. It may not work for everyone. It may not work for you. Uh, But yeah, uh, I'd say pretty much this is it about Gacha Game. If you're thinking of a recommendation. I would definitely recommend, like, an entry game, an entry uh, level gacha game that I think is great to start with is Grand Blue Fantasy. If you like fantasy RPGs, just because the production values are so high and there is so much content for everyone to enjoy. And it's in English. uh, So that's a bonus. Uh, The process to subscribe is a little convoluted because being not released in the US. it it's not um, you have to go through a Japanese registration, but you can. There is a guide on the site that you can check out and and follow. Just just search for Grand Fantasy, and you will find it. Uh, also, there is an interesting thing that um Saigings, the company that was uh, that is working on Grand Blue Fantasy, had a presence at um, GDC. And the, the last pack, the latest packs, I think it was packs east. And uh, then they are going to be at anime expo this, um, this summer to introduce the Grand Blue Fantasy, uh, franchise. This could be in, in, view of the console game, uh, a Blue Fantasy, uh, project relink. But, uh, I, I still have some hope that they will, um, they will, um, release it in the West sooner or later. Personally, I'm just gonna continue on Japan, on Japan because it's in English anyway and, and I have so much stuff in that account that I restarted from scratch. I couldn't even think about it. Uh, but uh, another good one, if you want to get an entry-level gacha game, is probably uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. If you like Fire Emblem, the the art is very good, and they have interesting stories. The voice acting is not too great, but that's you know Nintendo stuff, and you know that I'm not exactly a um, a fan of their localization style. Uh, but if you like Fire Emblem, you probably like it. And other than that. Um, if you want to get into playing a Japanese game and you, in Japanese, and you like the Marvel series, the Marvel Alternative Strike Frontier is fantastic because it's super generous in what it gives, um, and it's definitely a game that every week will keep you giving you good new stuff that you can actually use. Like it's not like a lot of games give you free stuff, but it's crappy characters, crappy uh, accessories or whatever, or equipment or whatnot. And it will not really be something that you ever use again. On the other hand, Strike Frontier uh, gives you good characters that will also be bonus characters that will basically grant you bonuses when you use it the day week after. Most of the times uh, in the event the week after, and the, the events come every week. Uh, so, it's actually characters and, and mechas that you use, and it's satisfying like that. Um, of course, in English there is also, of course, how can I forget, forget that? Mostly because I don't play it, but I don't play it because I'm not an enormous fan of the Fate franchise, but they, I heard the, the game is very good. The Fate Grand Order game is definitely a, popular and and high quality game for people to play, so that's another one that you can use. Um, if you want to play on PC, you have uh, you have Dead or Alive. Uh, again, that one is super good graphically. Uh, it's not exactly a deep game, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but if you like eye candy, is great. But again, it's really, really stingy with the stuff it gives you. So be aware of that if you go into it. So that's it for gacha games. So if you have any questions about the gacha games I mentioned, feel free to put them in the comments and I will try to respond to them. And I, I'm still planning to, to write a guide for Mavlov Alternative Strike Frontier because I think it's a good a good gacha game for people that want to play it. And uh, uh, Mavlov fans should not miss it because it offers a lot of insight on many characters. So I will definitely try to help people playing it even if they don't know Japanese. Uh, So let's move into this week's news, which there is quite a bit. Let's start from uh, the earlier. So Valkyria Chronicles 4, got a premium edition from for the West, which has some really interesting stuff for the price. It's actually for once, like this is kind of a miracle. For once, uh, the uh, the Western premium edition is actually better than the Japanese one. Because the Japanese one had no figures in it. It has it only like um, a, a CD and uh, an art book inside. So it was kind of it wasn't bad we have an unboxing video on the side so it's not it wasn't a terrible edition but it wasn't for a 10th anniversary well it wasn't great um but other than that in the in the Brit in the English one we have a vinyl figure of the tank of the hero tank of the the, the, the Affen and it looks fantastic like I'm definitely considering buying this one because it honestly looks really good. I actually don't know how big it is, but it it's really, really good looking. I'm definitely gonna gonna consider buying it and I will end up with two collection edition of the game. So yeah. Uh I I, I I'm a big Valkyrie fan, so there isn't much I can do about it. I'm a victim. Just help me. a uh other than that uh let's move on and oh still we, we still don't have a, a firm release date though. We're still full 2014 for all platforms 2014 wow <laughs> i must be really tired 2018 <laughs> i wish it was still for 2014 i would be four years younger anyway this was super good news. Sega and Sega announced uh, Yakuza 3, 4 and 5 for PS4. This is going to be just remasters, so there is not going to be many changes gameplay-wise. It's not going to be big remakes like uh, Kiwami and Kiwami 2, which is normal because Kiwami and Kiwami 2 were were like remakes of Yakuza and Yakuza 2 were PS2 games, so they really needed a new coat of paint. But Yakuza 3, 4, and 5, they already looked great on PS3. So just bumping up the resolution and and, uh, uh, the frame rate is actually pretty good. That will run at 1080p and 60 frames per second in, on PS4. We don't know if there is going to be any further bonus on uh, PS4 Pro. I don't know if it's possible to bump up the assets to 4K, to be honest, from a PS3 game like that. We'll see. Uh, in any case, uh, they, they will come out like Yakuza 3 comes out in Japan on August 9th. Um, Yakuza 4 in full and Yakuza 5 in the spring. So there is a big string of Yakuza games for people that did not play them on PS3 and they just want to experience them again. We have to hope that it will come west, but I would be, I would be surprised if Sega did not bring them west because the localization is already done. And especially considering that there is no change gameplay story wise, they did not add, they're not gonna add stuff. The game, the localization is like one to one. They don't have to localize new content. So it will be great. I'm pretty sure that Sega will announce them sometime soon. Uh, hopefully. Then, going back to Mavlava, because there is never enough of Mavlava, uh, the PS Vita version of Mavlava uh, and Mavlava Alternative, which is the first three ish games, because if you are not familiar with the series, Mavlov, the original Mavlov, is Mavlov Extra plus Mavlov Unlimited. So it's kind of two separate games. Mavlov Alternative is the sequel of Mavlov Unlimited. So it's kind of three-ish games in, in, for the price of two uh, are going to be released in North America on June, on June 12th and in Europe on June 8th. And that this is for PS Vita. So it's definitely a great thing that coming into a portable platform. Um, they, the, the graphics, like, the, the visuals, like, are very good for a PS Vita screen. So, I'm definitely gonna replay them on PS Vita. Uh, and I advise you do as well, but. It's a game that it's honestly a series that anyone that has any interest in visual novels and in science fiction should play. So if you haven't got any on PC and you still have a PSV I would definitely advise for it. And if you want to read a review, uh, you can you can read it on 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 the site. I have a review of both games. And uh, honestly, uh, the only thing is that playing it portable, you're gonna cry a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're if you're crying in public, especially Mavla Alternative. Uh, so uh, I don't know. You decide. Otherwise, maybe you want to go with uh, the PC version or just playing the PS Vita version at home. Um, I'm personally hoping that they will consider a Switch version because like it will bring back some buzz for the series and um, it's always good to have more platforms. As a very big fan of the series, I really hope for a Switch version as well. Then, Nino Kuni 2 shipped over 900,000 copies worldwide and the series passed 2.8 million copies um, this is not a super big number. Uh, it's not even a million, but it's, we have to consider it's in two months, so it's not terrible as well. Um, I guess the wait, the long wait and the, and the delays kinda turn off a few people. Uh, but 900,000 copies is not bad. Uh, So it's definitely a a new milestone for the series and hopefully Word of Mouth, it's a great uh, JRPG, so hopefully Word of Mouth will make it have a long tail Um, and it will continue selling, uh, at least passing 1 million. Uh, But yeah, let's move on. Uh, Suda51 announced yesterday at MomoCon that Killer 7 uh, is going to Steam this fall. Uh, only for Steam, so no console. The game was originally released, I believe, in 2005 for PS2 and GameCube. Uh, the game is gonna be published in the West by Niss America, as usual, for, for the latest Suda 51 games. It's a very peculiar but very interesting game, so uh, I would advise giving it a try um, when it comes out. So it's coming kind out of in the fall. In the fall, we still don't have a release date, but eh, it's it's coming. So that's good. Um Then uh Bandai Namco is considering bringing the Sword Art Online franchise to the Switch, which is good because it's definitely JRPGs are good on Switch, and uh, like it, they, you can, they're not like very demanding visual wise. So even if the, the Switch is a little underpowered, it's not an issue. And uh, they say that they are still considering, so they're still talking about it with their IR and stuff. So they're positively considering it. So look forward to it. Basically, the idea is this. Uh, this was also a question that I responded during an event this morning, uh, which is going to be yesterday morning for you when you listen to this podcast. So uh, this thing, this kind of question and answers that are like pick the questions they answer, which means that if they didn't want to kind of tease, they wouldn't have picked that question pretty much. So I expect an announcement in this year, or at least the next sort of online online game to come to the Switch like, by default. Uh, I remember asking Yosuke Futami, the, uh, the producer of the, the franchise, and, um, in Dokyo in September last year uh, about Switch version. They simply told me that they did not bring uh, Fatal Ballet to the Switch because it was too late. Because they they were already been working on the game for a while when the Switch was even announced. So they simply didn't make it in time. But they still could bring some ports of older games since they've been done with, by doing it with PC as well. And they could just bring by default the newer games, which is good. Uh, Switch could definitely use some more JRPGs. And then, last but not least, this is kinda Japanese and kinda not. Uh, because you probably know that there is this big hubbub about uh, female protagonists and whatnot in, in uh, Battlefield 5 by Dice. And uh, a lot of people say that females in World War II are not realistic, which is false because female, the woman definitely fought in World War II, in some countries more, in some countries less, uh, but there were definitely many instances in which women fought, fought in World War II, but that's not the issue, uh, that's not the main issue at least. Uh, Yokotaro actually nailed the, <laughs> Yokotaro, the, the director of Nier Automata and the creator of the Nier franchise and the Dra- Drakengard franchises, pretty much hit the nail on the head about it, Adding, uh, like, providing some weeb, <laughs> we wisdom to the whole ordeal. So, this was his comment, which would be near and dear to many, to many, uh, to many fans of Japanese games and media. Uh, so his comment to an article talking about it was Meanwhile, in Japan, battleships are made into beautiful girls, worlds are made into pretty boys loving boys, schoolgirls wire tanks, and anything you want. So this is the whole thing, uh, which is very important in Japanese, uh, in the Japanese philosophy of making games, which is you don't need to be accurate when it's creative and it's fun. Uh, even if woman in uh, World War II was not accurate and it is accurate, but even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter because like, look at Japanese games. Okay. You have a Kantai collection in which girl, Stark Witches, in which girls are hybridized with battleships or, or, uh, or World War II planes. I'm not into it, but uh, a lot of people like it. Or you have like the whole, the old Sengoku Bazaar and uh, the whole, um, Samurai Warriors franchise is that there probably couldn't be more liberties taken on the whole Sengoku era in Japan. Uh, or even worse, like the the whole, they all like be all, uh, um, like the the whole uh, warlord otaku and Fujoshi, uh, passion. Those are a lot of liberties. Or even on the other side, like the the vein of anime and media in which uh, Japanese warlords are like the Daimyos from the Sengoku era are turned into pretty girls on the other side, uh which also is the base for for instance for some for one of the Sengoku ran stories, for instance. Uh, But or like Girls and Panzer and stuff like that but there are many historical things that are in which japanese developers take a lot of liberties like another, another examples are the historical chopped uh, spin-offs of the yakuza series in which for instance uh, i believe it was yakuza ishin uh, in which uh, um was ishin or Kenzan? i think it was ishin yeah it was ishin um in which basically if it isn't, just forgive me. And it's late. In <laughs> uh, which they actually um, put they actually put in the game an historical figure as the protagonist, Ryoma Sakamoto, which is a hero of the of that period, national hero in Japan. And they gave him the likeness of uh, of Kazuma Kiryu and made him do stuff that he definitely did not do during his life. It totally looked completely different. Took a ton of of, um, of liberties, but it was a lot of, it was a fun game, and that's what matters. It is fun and creative, and or there is fun service, or, or, or it's done for the fans and for the others. In the end, what matters is the creativity, the creative freedom of the, uh, of developers, if they want to do something and they were to portray something, there is no reason why they shouldn 't even if it 's not accurate, even if it not does not fit what you personally think or you personally think is good in the end i 've seen many people i 've actually seen people I know that criticize DIE's decision on putting on, on putting front and center women in World War II – but on the other hand, when a Japanese game gets censored or criticized, they're very ready to defend the creative freedom of the developers. But remember, creative freedom is an absolute value. So if you defend creative freedom, you should defend it always. So you should defend the creative freedom of the Japanese developers that work on uh, making uh, Date Masamune into Pretty Girl. Or uh, you should defend uh having ladies front and center in World War II because it's creative freedom. It Battlefield has never been a realistic series and this looks even less realistic than ever but for other reasons that have nothing to do with women. It's just, have you seen, if you've seen the trailer, it's crazy. <laughs> it's totally like it. World War II was never like that. So in the end it's, it's creative freedom and it's made in the name of fun and what developers want to do. So, uh you should definitely support developers that go out of the of the of the beaten path for for creativity. Whatever their motivation is, we should still support creative freedom. And that's something that Japanese developer developers as I've been waving the flag off for a long time. Like, there is few things as wacky and quirky and sometimes crazy in Japanese games. And, uh, even if they're not accurate, people love them because they're crazy, quirky and funny. And, uh, they have stuff that totally, that's totally out of whack. Like, uh, Kazuma Kiryu as a samurai <laughs> or yeah. and stuff like that. So in the end, creative freedom is something we should support whatever whatever reason they have and whatever they uh, uh, whatever crazy it is in this case it's not even crazy but even if it was it's it's what it is it's it's what the developers want to portray and they should be able to uh, without being criticized for that so in the end that's it for today. That's it for the news. And again, I'm sorry for the lack of Emily. I know that this podcast would have been a lot funnier and a lot more interesting if she was here providing her, her, her insight and her, and her wit and her and her funny attitude. Unfortunately, she won't be here for a while. And I hope I managed to at least entertain you uh, for a little while myself. If I didn't, Feel free to thumb down. If you did enjoy this podcast, please, uh, subscribe and, uh, and add a like because you know, it helps. Uh, and also feel free to give, to leave comments on what can be improved. Uh, because again, especially with this big change, there is going to be things that can be improved and should be improved. So please feel free to give advice on that. Other than that, I was doing Zephaniava from Dual Shockers. And that's it for our episode eight. I hope you enjoyed and have a good time. Bye.